It's show 142 of the RIM Pro Report. Today, the latest industry news and Alon Rodnitsky of Pyromet. Uh, this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. This week, O'Neill talked about the important relationship they have with Amazon Web Services as their cloud services hosting partner over the last two and a half years. The connection to Amazon Web Services gives O'Neill the capacity to leverage Amazon's secure systems infrastructure as well as the powerful cloud access and computing capabilities Amazon provides. To learn more about this relationship, head on over to O'NeillSoft.com. So, if a document shows up but no one ever lost it, is it actually found? That's just the kind of deep philosophical thinking we do here on the RIM Pro Report. Do you need some more? Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Hustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, hello, hello. It's me and we're back. Holy cow, last week's show was so amazing. If you didn't listen to it, I urge you, I beg you. Actually, what the heck? I'll just tell you. Get to that show last week with Sam Carpenter and take 40 minutes to listen to it. Worst case, you've got Got a cell phone, download it and play it on a drive you're going on. Or forgo watching CNN for an hour tonight or The Bachelorette this week and listen to it. But do not miss it. That's all I'm saying. It's that good. I was so excited to have Sam on the show with us. He has influenced our business in a significant way through his book, Work the System, and it was an amazing privilege to have him on our show. So check that one out on show 141. This week we're going to discuss a subject we've never talked about here before. It's silver recovery. I met Lon Rudnitsky of Pyramid at the Nade show a few months ago and asked if he would be on the show. Given the confusion and sort of the the shady past of the silver recovery business over the years, I felt like chatting to Lon might be a way to see what happens in their world and how we in the rim world intersect with a company like Pyromet. But before we talk to Lon, I want to get you caught up on the latest industry news. Nade has formally reintroduced Shred School. Shred School will be Nade's new platform for training industry employees and others determined to enter the industry. The new website at shredschool.com outlines the new curriculum, materials, schedules, and locations for upcoming Shred School events. The pricing on Shred School is designed to be affordable to get a broad range of employees uh, to these programs and we'll actually be provided in strategic locations across the country to make it easy to get to. So congratulations to Nade on the official launch of Shred School. Speaking of Nade, it was cool to see big media supporting why we do what we do. It was it was great to see Time Magazine do an article called Shred Alert in the June 10th edition. Be sure to check that out in the June 10th edition of Time magazine hey an old friend on the show dr oyadokan oyawali let me know that next week is in nigeria is international archives day that man is working his butt off to change the way records management is done in nigeria hey and speaking of that as soon as i can i'd love to get a record center operator on the show from africa i met a couple of weeks ago at prism i think you'll love her story ICANN, which is the International Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, which really looks after all the domain system, announced that Iron Mountain Intellectual Property Management is one of the official new data escrow agents for all new top-level domain registry operators. So congratulations to Iron Mountain on this achievement. 
Otherwise, a rather uneventful week news-wise so far. If you have news you want to share, let me know. Send me an email or fill out the form on the RIM Pro Report website. Alrighty, I'm going to get Lon Radetzky on the line. Hold tight while I do. Lon Raditsky is a sales representative with Pyramet and a partner in their film wash division. I'm looking forward to chatting with him today about his world and how it intersects with ours here in the rim world. Lon, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, welcome to the show. It's really good to uh, have you on the show. I know that I came across you... Um, in a couple of interesting ways, I came across you uh, in a direct mail piece that you sent prior to the Nade conference a number of months ago, and that immediately intrigued me because I love marketing. But um, then I learned a bit more about you at the Nade show, and I thought it'd be really good to have you on the show to explain what you do and a little bit more about the world you live in and how it intersects with the world we live in, in the RIM world. And so let's start with an overview of Pyramid. Tell me what Pyramid does, what is it you're all about, and what do you do? Well, we refine silver from imaging films uh, mainly um, uh, for this industry and also metallic replacement cartridges that come from imaging. They're hooked onto the processors and they recover the silver that's uh, washed off the films through the processor as well as uh, electric lytic flake, uh, which we're seeing less of because of the digital world. Uh, processors have slowed down, so they're using mostly the cartridges now. So um, we take those cartridges and the flake, we refine them too. Um, and but mainly for the rim world, it's the x-ray film. Okay, and then it seems to me, as I dug in, that's, that's what you're doing within our world, but, I mean, Pyramid's got a whole lot more stuff going on. Yeah, a lot more. That only really represents 25 to 30% of the business. Wow, so tell me some of the other stuff that, you know, give me a bigger picture of Pyramid. Well, a lot of the silver that we get in uh, to refine is from industrial sources. Okay. Um, you know, electronic scrap. Uh, we get high-grade electronic scrap. We don't do circuit boards, uh, but we get like the uh, higher-grade scraps that are sorted uh, um, from various uh, electronic scrap recyclers, and then they send it to us. Uh, silver paints, silver sludges, inks. Um, we do quite a bit of sterling silver jewelry and flatware refining. So you take that kind of stuff in, and then you refine it so that it's a saleable product again. You got it. Yeah, we, we actually then we sell to the plating industry. Uh, we make many different plating products, which can be seen on our website. most uh, popular thing we do is, uh, is make silver shot, um, which is bought, bought by silver solder manufacturers. Hmm. Okay. So that that's sort of a big picture, but there's also this, uh, I, I've noticed in the emails that you've sent me back and forth, there's this thing called Sun Valley Film Wash, and that's interconnected, obviously, with Pyramid. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about the interconnect between Sun Valley Film Wash and Pyramid. Well, back in 1969, Pyramid actually was founded by a guy by the name of Jay Miller. Uh, he was a chemical engineer, and he was tinkering around with ways of uh, efficiently melting silver flake because that's what dominated the imaging industry back in those days. Um, he did it for years, built it up. It was a local, regional company, dealt mainly in a two-hour radius from the facility. Uh, he started in a garage and moved into a larger facility in Aston, PA, um, when uh, he decided to retire, um, I was trying to get him to do film washing. Hmm. And he was showing interest in it, but, um, you know, at his point in life, he was looking to wind down, so we never really got it off the ground. So um, he ended up selling the business to an employee in 1996. His name is Scott Smith, and Scott Smith is the uh, sole owner and president 
CEO of uh, Pyramid. Okay. And so, so Sun Valley Film Wash, what, where did that come from? Yeah, get back to that. Um, so when Scott came in, um, he saw what I was trying to do with Jay and felt it was definitely a good marriage because, you know, Silver's coming from the film too and we're missing, you know, 55% approximately of the silver we could potentially refine because there's about 55% of the silver left on the film and then the other 45% comes out in electrolytic plate or cartridges. Um, so there it was. Uh, we became partners and since you know, he was the sole owner of Pyramet. Instead of giving me shares in Pyramet to work it out that way, we just started Sun Valley as a 50-50 operation. Okay. So... There's more background to that that I, you know, that's not necessary to get into, uh, but, you know, with ownership and stuff, but that's base, That's the basic. Okay. So the Film Wash, Sun Valley Film Wash, is really the company that you brought to Pyramet, and, and this is the interconnect between the two. Yes. Okay. Yes, it was started. It was started. The reason it's called Sun Valley is because Sunoco Oil Company had a big presence in Aston, PA. So they used to call it the Sun Valley. So real, real, make it simple. Sun Valley Film Wash. So. All right. Well, let, let's dig back into your personal story because I, I want to build this whole understanding of who you are as a person as it relates to Sun, you know, where Sun Valley came from, uh, not just in the name, but the, the genesis of this. How did you end up in the silver business? Tell me a little bit about the genesis story and where you've come from and how you got to the place where you are today. I was extremely fortunate. I had a father that was a really good businessman um, and was one of the first companies to provide silver recovery service uh, locally in the Philadelphia area to printers, hospitals, and radiology centers. Uh, he built that business into unbelievable amounts of, uh, of silver. Um, and during the Hunt Brother uh, fiasco, unfortunately, that, that hurt him really bad. And, um, you know, he had, had to reorganize the business. So, um, because during the Hunt Brothers, uh, they closed down the Comex, and he was stuck with a bunch of inventory that he could not sell. So, so I, I'm completely dopey as it comes to the the Hunt Brothers. So what's that all about? Well, what the Hunt Brothers did is they tried to uh, corner the market. Uh, they bought you know, quite a bit of silver off the market and forced it to go up, ah. like 79, 1980. Uh, and then they were investigated um, you know, by Congress, actually, and they um, went through hearings and they found out they did do that and wow. they went away. But uh, in the in the interim, when that was all going on, the COMEX was going nuts. The price was going up, you know, three four dollars a day, and it was driving business crazy. You know, not just our business, but the silver industry in all. So um, they decided to close down the COMEX. That's what they can do. Just so we understand COMEX, because anyone listening, that's an in- industry term that you. What's that mean? Uh, it's a commodity exchange. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure we are clear on that. Okay. Yep. All right. So the commodity exchange, this this is all happening, and your dad's built this business, and the Hunt Brothers, uh, and that all goes kind of crazy. So tell me a little bit more of the story. Well, I decided I needed to choose a different career path. I went into the U.S. Navy for four years. Um, and then... Um, what were you doing in out. the Navy? Actually, I was, I went in at the very bottom. I was a seaman recruit, boatswain's mate, but I worked my way into an office job because wow. I, you know, I felt that I belonged in the office, <laughs> and I became a yeoman, and um, and I got out of the Navy in 1986. Wow. Uh, and then I started to work for my father's new reorganized business. Uh, to make a long story short, um, he uh, brought me in to teach me from the ground up. I already knew a lot because it was in my family for so long, uh, and then he took sick. Um, I took over the business in 1990, and from 1990 to 1998, I'm proud to say that I led the team uh, to build the business, and, and this is 
has nothing to do with the price of silver, but we went from six hundred thousand dollars a year to two million dollars a year in nineteen ninety eight. Nice. Very cool. So yeah. then the then that's when you go back and you talk to Scott at Pyramid and the the you know you commingle your expertise and resources and and direction. Is that that when that all happened? Ninety eight. That that's exactly right. Yeah. And um, I, what I wanted to do is kind of get away from the shadow and the family business and kind of do business on my own. Um, so I worked out a deal at the time with my uncle and my cousin. I sold my shares to them and was able to start the film wash business with Scott Smith. And um, and there you go. That's how uh, I've gotten into this thing. And there's a lot more in between. I, oh, I know yeah. a lot about silver business. Yeah, very cool. Um, as you know, and I asked you, and I, I found you at the NAID conference. That's where we, we interconnected. But uh, let's, let's just sort of dig a little bit more, obviously, into the connection and the intersection with the records and shredding companies. You talked about... Um, you know, film. So give me a sense of how you're working with records and shredding companies. Well, records and shredding companies, um, as you know, the business started to explode and they started going into a lot of the hospitals and doing, you know, paper document destruction. And while they're there, they're finding out that there's uh, this opportunity to recycle x-rays. Uh, and not just hospitals and medical centers, but, you know, radiology centers, veterinary centers, chiropractors. So, um, it's a great fit for them. They have a reputation for um, handling the documents in a secure way that people feel comfortable with. So uh, they gain that trust and that integrity. Uh, and what better thing to do with the relationship then is to you know try to get the X-rays for recycling. Right. And, um, now my role to them should be to figure out ways for them to expand it, maybe help them with their marketing through what my knowledge of the X-ray industry and try to get them to get more material yeah so th that you know film is really connected to HIPAA these days and uh, HIPAA is continually growing in terms of the security implications of handling personal health information can you give me an overview of the process that might happen with an x-ray or a film that a you know, comes from, say, a shredding or record storage company, and, you know, they intersect with you. Tell me a little bit about the flow and security process that you guys engage so that that there is this sense of security on the back end of this process. Well, for one thing, um, most of the shredders prefer to take the paper off the x-rays and then they do the shredding of the paper themselves because they're already doing that. Right. And then the x-ray films that are left over, um, they'll ship to us. Um, they usually ship them in either a big 48 by 48 inch, what they call Gaylord box on a pallet or drums. When it comes into our facility, our people are extremely disciplined. They make sure that they handle the material uh, properly. Um, if there's any film that falls you know, on the ground, they're told to put it, pick it right back up. Uh, nothing is supposed to be on the floor of the building. If you tour through our building, you'll see uh, that's the way it is. And the film has value. I mean, every sheet of film, even though the price of silver has dropped recently, is worth, uh, you know, somewhere around 20 cents a sheet. So, you know, you surely don't want to lose, you know, 10 sheets. It's two bucks. So, you know, you, with the value of that, um, you want to make sure you get the silver off. Once you get the silver off, there's nothing left as far as personal information because it, it makes it into a clear piece of uh, plastic. So just just so I'm clear, because I, I mean I logically understand what's happening, but give me a little bit of the flow. So the you you get these Gaylords full of old X-rays, and they go into your facility. What what 
you know, what are the steps? Because um, that's the film wash division, right? That's that's what's happening in this very first stage. Tell me exactly, you know, in his sort of layman's terms, what happens to that one piece of, of plastic that has silver all over it. Sure. Um, we wash in either enzyme or caustic soda, and that's the chemical that removes the silver emulsion from the plastic. Yeah. And the sheet of film is basically washed for about an hour, and it's um, speaking about one sheet here, but it's clearer maybe that way. Yeah. And then it's rinsed for a half hour to get all those chem- residual chemicals off of it. Um, and then it's actually the clear piece of plastic is bowed and sold to uh, plastic industry for recycling. And the silver falls off into a tank um, and then gets transferred actually to what we call our final tank. We're done with the lot. And then that silver is put through a filter press. Right At that point, it's like a silver slur. It's a real liquidy material. And the filter press reduces the moisture by like 35 to 40 percent. So there's still quite a bit of moisture left in it and creates what we call cake. It's like a silver cake. Hmm. The uh, cake is then put into... Um, to pans into a drying oven. The drying oven is set to um, dry for 12 hours at 700 degrees. Wow. That turns it into an ash. It really reduces it. I mean, to give you an idea, we start off with 60 pounds in the tray, and when we're done, we have 15 pounds of ash. 15 pounds of ash? Yeah. So we started off with 60 pounds of cake. We start off with the slurry from the film, and right. then we start off with the cake, and now we end up with after the drying oven, a 15-pound batch of ash. Wow. Wow. That ash that ash is put into drums, 100-pound drums. We, we weigh each drum to 100 pounds. Then the 100 pounds is then loaded into a rotary furnace, and it melts in about an hour. You need to get, for silver, you need to get to 1,764 degrees. We actually get a little higher. And melt and at 2,000 degrees, we pour into a mold. And then that silver has a lot number associated with it, which is that customer's batch. It is assayed by our lab and then brought up to the office. And that's where the customer then gets the refining report from us. Wow. So that, this is quite a process. It's, it's a, um, obviously a very uh, important process because the value of the silver that you're pulling out of there. Um, and I can only imagine that the security environment that you live in is pretty intense. Very intense, uh, yeah. especially when the silver price went up, you know, past $20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so the, the, the whole nature of your operation is highly secure, and, and that's how the whole thing works. Yeah, we have surveillance throughout the building. We have uh, um, a fence up 10 feet high with barbed wire on top of it. Wow. Uh, we're alarmed. We're alarmed and we're manned. The building is manned 24 7. So. Wow. wow. So, how much silver is out there right now on X rays? Because I know, I know as I hear what's going on in the industry, you know, people are finding more and more film. Uh, there's more and more movement towards the digital, uh, you know, keeping those things digitally but not physically. And so, how much is out there? I mean, do you guys have any estimation of the, the sheer volume of X rays that are out there? that are sort of moving towards recycling? Yes. Well, believe it or not, in 2003 was record production of analog and dry process X-ray films sold to the industry. So um, most hospitals, medical centers, offices that do X-rays keep those uh, files for five to seven years. Right. 
and then they dispose of them. Uh, either, and like I said, that's where the shredders or the records information management companies come in and, and, and do that, perform that disposal service, right. and find a recycler, hopefully pyramid, um, to do the recycling. Yeah, no. So there's a lot out there. If 2003 was the highest, uh, the highest sales of that. I mean, years previous to that, there's been stuff that, as record storage companies, we know often sits in our, you know, in our record storage environments for more than five to seven years. Those things can stay forever. Um, but as that that transition happens, is there, like, is there a globally understood number of just how much there is out there? I can't speak globally. I mean, if I just look at the U.S., um, the recycling industry. Um, ha- like say the previous year, 2012, recycled like 100 million pounds of x-rays. Wow. There's quite a bit of pounds, 100 million pounds of x-rays, awful lot of film. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it represents that's about 8 to 9 million ounces of silver. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a big, bigger industry than people think. And, and because of the hospital policy, some keep longer records. Look, they keep their records longer than others. I mean, some are a little insecure with getting rid of them just in case. Somebody comes back and needs an X-ray, and it could be, you know, for legal reasons or whatnot to keep them. They have uh, their policy is to keep them for ten, even sometimes fifteen years. I've heard. Yeah. So yeah. there's going to be X-rays above ground, X-rays around to be recycled for quite some time. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go into a touchy area here because this is uh, th- this industry, the silver recovery industry, has a weird reputation. It's it's kind of known as a an industry of hucksters and and, uh, you know, players and people who are kind of on the, the edge. I don't know if that comes back from the Hunt. I think you call them the Hunt brothers. Um, did it show up at that? But where, what's this whole reputation uh, thing that's happened in the silver business? What's the cause of that? Where did it all happen? It goes back um, from my dad's days. It was after it became a more mature industry, like 10 years through, um, it was easy to get into. I mean, the barrier of entry is a truck and a man. Uh, right. And then solicit, solicit the business. Um, so it attracted many different types of people to the industry. Unfortunately, um, even uh, people that move around quite a bit throughout the country and the world uh, just taking advantage of people. Um, you know, sometimes they go in with high prices and they never pay. Um, they make it look good. The perception is not what it is. People uh, fall prey to it because they feel like they're going to get more money and they flash cash around and whatnot. So that's on the retail side. That's going right into a hospital or a medical center or various uh, imaging center. Um, so that's one reason that you know these guys have made it really tough and, um, and brought some really bad press to the whole industry. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing is um, you know, there's been a lot of companies like us that have not been as disciplined and ran into problems and they end up going out of business owing many of the dealers or the people that bring the film to them money. Okay, so, I mean, the the, the industry had its own share of, of ups and downs based probably on that whole, uh, the whole thing back in the 80s and that, you know, there's there's always been and there always is in every industry sort of the dark side of it, but how, how does then Pyramet and what you guys are doing, how do you go in differently? How do you help change the perception? Because, I mean, you, you guys, everything that I can see, there's, there's been you know, a long history of what you're doing. Uh, there's reputation. How do you build that? How do you construct it such that you're not lumped in with that other side? 
Well, like any business, um, you build your your trust and build your client base on trust, and you earn that over time. And we've been doing this, uh, the film part of it, for 15 years, and the other part for over 40 years, 43 wow. years, actually. Wow. Um, and Jay Miller um, founded the company, uh, and he always had a reputation for treating all his customers honestly. And uh, my first experience of doing business with Jay at my family company was in like 1997, and I was so happy with them. Um, I started sending more and more to them, and I wasn't dealing with any of the other refiners that I had been using. So I was a customer here first. And uh, same thing with Scott Smith. He worked here, but also before he worked here, uh, he was with his family business, and they bought materials at Jay also, uh, Pyramid. So um, when the business was sold in 1996, uh, and Scott and I started talking, one of the main things we wanted to do was change the industry. Hmm. We wanted to be one of the pioneers, so to speak, and, and not just looking at it as a scrap business, and not right. just looking at it as a company that you just deal with and one time gone. And We wanted to do business with people over and over and over again and build that brand name that Jay had built locally um, you know, on a larger scale basis. So... So they, you talked about sort of the the once and gone and no money shows up. How do you know when you're dealing with a reputable company versus a non-reputable company? That That's to me the question that uh, as, you know, rim service companies, shredders, record storage companies, uh, and, you know, even our clients, the end users, the hospitals, the medical centers, those, those companies – you know, come with an expectation from this kind of weird history that there's a ton of cash in their x-rays. And um, how do they know and how can people in the shredding industry, the records industry, clearly help them identify the difference between the the hucksters and the legitimate uh, providers? And they can be part of that stream, obviously. But what's the difference? What should people be looking for that, you know, says this is a, this is a, fake company. This is somebody who could potentially screw you. Mainly, I think it's through talking to other people in mm. the industry um, and finding out who they're using. Um, uh, like I said, our brand name and our reputation precedes us. And so if somebody asks uh, about Pyramet, we hear nothing but favorable replies. Um, we get I get calls mostly because of referrals where somebody has said, uh, you know, these guys are great. Just do business with them. You won't have to worry about it. And you can build your business because they're going to take care of your stuff and you don't have to look behind your back. Hmm. Um, that's main. That's the main thing. And, I, and with any other company, too, you, you check into things and you look around um, and see what, you know, how they got to where they are. And we also have an open-door policy. We invite anybody to come through our process. We walk you through the refinery. It's very interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's to be set up, you know, ahead of time but um yeah and you know you can actually see what we do here and you know the fees we charge aren't just uh because we can magically make the silver appear that there's a lot that goes in, into it to to get the silver out of the film as i previously stated yeah i i guess it's i guess that's the thing i i know in the like in the seo world if somebody says i can get you to first place on google that's a big indicator that they're not necessarily a good choice because nobody can claim that and i know i'm not trying to get you to speak against competitors i'm just uh, what what's is there sort of a clue that you might be dealing with a huckster what's is it more than just you know are they are they flashing what what are they doing just so just so we have an idea of that uh, a lot of times they go in with a business card that belongs to another reputable company, 
and they'll walk in and say they're here to pick up the material to the hospital or medical center, radiology center, whatever, and they're tricked into thinking that it is that company. They load it on the truck, and all of a sudden the guy's gone, and next day the actual vendor comes in and finds out that they stole the film from the hospital. But how do they know? Um, how would they know that it, they're just taking a chance that this is happening? They're slick. They're good. They probably uh, have visited the hospital before to find out when they get rid of the film. They've watched tr- they'll watch the truck go in and out uh, of the really? hospital. Wow. Yeah, they're very, very smart. It's, it's a shame if they took that, that effort into uh, doing well, doing good, they probably would be even better and more successful and not have to be so dishonest and create such a bad atmosphere. Wow. So it's it's a it's an interesting industry, and that's really why I wanted you on here because my my history, you know, I've been in the industry fifteen years, and there's always been this sense that th- this is the dark side. So I'm I'm really glad to talk to you about it because it it helps me to understand uh, what's going on, and hopefully people listening have an understanding of what's different about you know what what to look for in even a vendor to work with uh, as a you know as a pass through. We we take film and pass it to a vendor, but I, I think one of the things that's really important is for people listening to uh, this this conversation that they know how to help their end user clients and how to make sure they understand the implications of how things are done and, and what's looked for. I, I think the other piece of this puzzle that shows up because of what, say, the hucksters often do um, is there seems to be this implication that there's a ton of money to be had in this. Um, how do rim service companies and shredding companies who are who are doing this interaction with end user hospitals who are their clients? Um, is there a rule of thumb? I, d- I don't necessarily want pricing. I know you said twenty cents a sheet, but uh, is is there a way of thinking about how to r- basically resell this service? Because in shredding paper, you're taking it and you're shredding it. In recycling, you're passing through a highly valued commodity. Um, Tell me a little bit about how shredders and record center operators should think in terms of this process. Um, if you're 20 cents a sheet, are they thinking 50%? Or what kind of margins can they think about in, in this world? Well, we charge per pound. I was just doing the sheet as a kind of an idea of what each sheet's worth. So why would you want to mishandle? But um, yeah, basically everything's worked up uh, on a per pound basis. Hmm. Uh, and then the price of silver is a a very important part, and if I could add that the reason Pyramid um, is is so successful and has so much longevity is, is how we do that. We're very disciplined, and every ounce of silver that's priced by, from our customers is also sold the same day. So we balance our books every day. Wow. So that can get a company in a lot of trouble if you uh, speculate. So that's one thing. And the, the other thing is they have to ask questions, the right questions, to the people they're selling to. Don't just look at it as scrap paper. Look at it more as... Um, you know, a, a commodity. It's worth, like you just said, it's worth a lot of money, and you want to know how it's exact. How's the process? And, and go, you know, you get a gut feel. You get an answer from somebody that doesn't sound right. Um, you know, you could feel that right away if you ask the right questions. Um, so, if, you know, I try to educate my customers so they know how to select. I mean, I, I of course love them to select us, but you know, if they're out there and they're going to pick somebody else, make sure you pick somebody up, and that's you know that's reputable cool. too. Right. And, right. Right. 
and and there are other reputable companies and you know the the goal of this conversation is to to just help us understand this world so that we we know how to intersect with it and how to work with it but uh, i i really appreciate the um you know the perspective that you've brought us i, I think it's helpful to us to make sure we understand how to uh, work in this world as it continues to uh, be a possible revenue stream for everyone that listens to the show so uh, lon i really want to say thank you for sharing the last uh, 30 minutes with us and talking about your world and how we can understand it and um i i hope that as you are part of this industry and uh, companies deal with you or with other companies they'll continue to learn more and and gain revenue as a result of the the uh the work that's able and the opportunity that's out there in film recycling well thank you very much i i really appreciate it and yeah education is the most important thing all right man great chat and we'll talk soon well, there you have it. Some great information from Lon Rudnitsky. Thanks to Lon for joining us and taking the time to share his story, the, the story of Pyramet, and uh, really some better understanding of what happens in the silver recovery business. And thanks to you, too, for being here today. I hope you learned something to help you improve your business. That's our goal each and every week. And special thanks to my good friends at O'Neill Software. I was reminded that the charity partner they've chosen for their upcoming O'Neill Partner Conference is St. Jude's Research Hospital. St. Jude's is a great story. Almost 70 years ago, as a struggling young entertainer, Danny Thomas knelt in the church and prayed to St. Jude Thaddeus, the patron saint of hope hopeless causes. Help me find a way in life and I will build you a shrine. He prayed that simple promise and his later success as a television star led Danny to found St. Jude Children's Hospital, which opened in 1962. That's such a cool story. And that's who O'Neill Partner Conference is supporting this year in their charity work. And you can learn more about the cause, the O'Neill Partner Conference, and the famous Record Center Challenge at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for for us we are out of here have yourself a great week we'll be back next week with another great show for you Thanks see you joining us on the rim pro report with tom adams if you enjoyed the show please tell others our website is www.rimproreport.com this broadcast is produced and hosted by flourish press inc join us again soon